Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And that in itself is quite a statement. You don't just throw that one around. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. It's a statement that commands attention and respect. And with that in mind, he shares with the church our mission, the Great Commission. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 20, he goes on to command us to teach them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. Now that is a lofty request. It's quite the responsibility, amen, that God has given us as a whole. And he's given us individually as well. A daunting mission, one that most would seem a bit unattainable. One that no doubt has been and will always be great with great opposition. But Jesus didn't leave his disciples hopeless or even helpless for that matter. He concluded verse 20 by saying, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. I am with you always. I want to speak to you on this subject today, mission possible. Amen. Mission possible. And you may be seated. As I mentioned, it's an honor to serve here at this local church. What a wonderful church that we are blessed to be a part of, working and learning. It's also been an honor to be submitted to the leadership of our pastor. It's been a tremendous blessing to me personally and in my ministry. But my situation is a bit unique, being that my pastor is also my boss and that my boss is also my father. So naturally, we have to balance those relationships, and my brothers can say amen to that. I've had conversations with my dad where I had to clarify at the beginning and say, now, I'm coming to you with a personal situation as a son, as a son, not as a church member, not as an employee or vice versa, whatever the context would be. Several years ago, I was feeling a bit discouraged with my personal mission. Anybody ever felt a little discouraged and a little overwhelmed with life. And I was there feeling that stress and facing a little bit of opposition in life and work and ministry and uh, dealing with that. I had worked a little bit in lawn care in high school and some in college as I was working my way through college. And in a moment of frustration, I told dad, boss, pastor, I told him, I don't know if I can do this. Maybe I should just start a business and just cut grass. Now, I'm pretty sure I didn't clarify what role I was approaching him in, and I'm not really quite sure within which role he responded, but I got the message loud and clear. He calmly and wisely shared these words with me. He said, Joel, there's a lot of grass to be cut. That was it. <laughs> That's all I got. In my transparent moment, in my discouragement, he told me, well, there's a lot of grass to be cut. Knock yourself out. It was simple, and it was straight to the point, 
But knowing my dad and him knowing me, I, I got the message loud and clear. And I've thought about that response over the years. And of course, he shared with me uh, more in-depth words of encouragement before that conversation and after. But in that moment, he understood what I was going through. And he understood that life and serving God and ministry and fulfilling a mission is challenging to say the least, and it can be downright difficult at times. But knowing dad, that was his way of saying, yes, it'd be easy to, to quit. It'd be easy to give up on the mission and your ministry, but quitting is not an option, amen. God has called you. God has equipped you. God is with you. The mission is possible. The title of Pastor's Messenger article for October is My World, My Mission. And with a focus on our personal mission and missions conference right around the corner, I felt the Lord impressed me as I was praying for this service just to remind you that the mission is possible, amen? That we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light to be a light for such a time as this. God has a purpose and a plan for your life, for every child, for every student, for every adult, for every elder. In each and every season of your life, God has a personal mission for you. Amen? And yes, there's going to be opposition against the mission. Yes, you're going to get discouraged and distracted. And there will be times that you want to quit and just throw in the towel. There will be times in your relationship with God and that mission that he's given you that you want to just pick up and pursue and focus on other passions and life. There will be times that it will seem like it's mission impossible. But I'm here to tell you today, church, that quitting is not in option, amen, to tell you today that with God, it's mission possible. If you believe that, say amen. Now, I'm sure most are aware of the current situation taking place between Israel and Hamas, a very sad and tragic situation, and we need to continue to pray for the innocent lives that are being affected by this war and for Israel. In similar situations, out of sadness and out of frustration uh, and disbelief, many people often say, can't we all just get along? I mean, I've heard that before. Can't we all just get along? But unfortunately, an imagine utopian society, a place and a state where everyone and everything is, person, uh, is perfect, it's just not quite possible. Things, though, were once so when all was in perfect harmony in the Garden of Eden once upon a time. But that all changed with the cunning serpent, with temptation, and with the sin of Adam and Eve in the fall of man. But from that day until now, Satan and sin has brought anger and hate and prejudice and violence and attack and war and opposition. As the Bible states, these are the signs of the times and the end of the world. And Matthew 24, 6 says, and you will hear of wars. You're going to hear of rumors of wars. But see that you, that the church, that you are not troubled. 
For these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Not only has there always been nation against nation, but there's also always been an attack from the enemy and opposition from the world against the people of God and the church. Jesus spoke to this and he said in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world, it hates you. But remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. The Bible goes on to talk about this opposition and the awareness that we must have as a church in 1 Peter 5 and 8. To be sober, to be vigilant. Because our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Ephesians 6.12 informs us that we do not wrestle in this life against flesh and blood. The church, you're just not having a bad day. It wasn't happenstance that that issue came against you. That you're fighting that sickness in your body. But we're fighting against powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age. Against spiritual hope of wickedness in heavenly places. Opposition from the enemy and from the world against the people of God and the church. It's sadly a tale as old as time. I want to take some time to highlight a few today. In the Old Testament, God had a mission for Moses, but there was great opposition from the Egyptians. God had a mission for Joshua, but there was opposition for many in the land of David. As we sang about today, God had a mission for David, but there was great opposition from more than one form of giant in his life. God had a mission for Gideon, but there was great uh, opposition outnumbered by the Midianites. God had a mission for Daniel, but there was opposition from the Babylonians and a den of lions. God had a mission for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but there was opposition from the Babylonians and a fiery furnace. God had a mission for Elijah, but there was great opposition from Ahab and Jezebel. God had a mission for Hester, but there was opposition from Maimon. God had a mission for Hezekiah. But there was opposition from the Assyrians. Amen. You're starting to see the pattern. Amen. But God was faithful to his people. Amen. And God ensured that his mission would be accomplished in the earth. Amen. In the New Testament, we're reminded of the mission of Jesus Christ. That he came to seek and to save the lost. But even Jesus Christ faced opposition. It was prophesied in Isaiah 53, 3 and 5 that he was a despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. 
and by his stripes we were healed. God had a mission for Paul, and he faced persecution and opposition. 2 Corinthians 11 tells us that he had been whipped times without number, faced death again and again, had been put in prison, beaten with rods, stone, shipwrecked, faced dangers from rivers and robbers, dangers from his own people. He had sleepless nights. He had been hungry and thirsty and shivered in the cold. Their opening text and mission was shared directly with the disciples and from the word of God and historical accounts. They shared similar stories of persecution. After that point in time in history when the word of God was a closed work, persecution and opposition to the church had only increased. Throughout church history, believers have suffered. Believers have been beaten and ridiculed, and they've been defamed. They have suffered poverty, isolation, betrayal, and disgrace. They have been hounded and hunted, harassed, and murdered. The heroes of the faith have always been those who sacrificed their lives. They sacrificed their fortunes. They sacrificed their reputations for the sake of the mission and for the sake of sharing the gospel. In the first three centuries of the church, Roman persecutions were fierce. Tradition tells us of the gladiators in the Colosseum, lions in the Circus Maximus threatening the earliest believers. They were forced into perilous and often secretive existence, meeting in catacombs and caverns. Yet they persevered, and God was faithful, and his mission prevailed. Amen. As Cetulian stated, the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. The rise of Islam out of the Arabian Peninsula posed new threats to Christians. From the 7th to the 11th centuries, Christians were crushed under the weight of Islamic invasions. The opposition and persecution sent shudders of horror throughout the West, prompting the efforts of the Crusaders. Throughout the Middle Age, Islam remained a persistent danger to believers. In the years past, the opposition had continued. There were other dangers to the Christians, from Teutonic tribes to pagan Viking warlords, even overzealous inquisitors. With the Reformation and the Counter-Reformation, the 16th and the 17th centuries came a new wave of persecution. Many believers were, in the words of Fox's Books of Martyrs, bound to relinquish not only goods, but children and life itself for the glory of their Redeemer. A vast host of Christians were swept away in the wars that raged across Europe. Yet the church persevered, and God was faithful, and his mission prevailed. Amen. Astonishing, though, it has been the 20th century along with the first decade and a half of the 21st century that has seen the greatest increase in persecution and opposition from the world and the enemy. According to ministries such as Open Doors, The Voice of Martyrs, more Christians have been killed for their faith in the last century than in all ages combined. 5,621 Christians were killed for their faith last year. Over 2,000 churches were attacked. Over 4,500 Christians detained. One in seven Christians are persecuted worldwide. 
One in five Christians are persecuted in Africa. Two in five are persecuted in Asia right now. Since 1993, the World Watch List has revealed the scale and the severity of the persecution of Christians. In the last 30 years, the number of countries where Christians suffer high and extreme levels of persecution has almost doubled to 76 countries. And today, more than 360 million Christians suffer high levels of persecution and discrimination for their faith. Now, as tragic as it is, this overview of persecution of Christians who follow Jesus, no matter the cost, should bring great conviction and inspiration to the church of North America. Amen? It may come in different forms, but there is also great spiritual opposition here in North America. In years past, the Bible was held in high regard in the United States and other Western societies. But with the rise and the progression of secularism and moral relativism has caused those same societies to lose reverence for the word of God and to become openly hostile towards it. We're fighting great opposition and intimidation in our schools and in our government and in the workplace abroad, amen? Personal and religious freedoms are under attack. There's a blatant attack on the biblical principles for gender, sexuality, and marriage, amen? We're facing opposition through ungodly influences that come through most medium and social media mediums. Sadly, there is an increase of anxiety and depression and hopelessness and suicide with record numbers with children and youth, and it's in the world, and it's in the church, amen. There's an increase of dependency of alcohol and drugs and the abuse of prescription drugs. Sadly, the Christian world is feeling the effects of this opposition, in some denominations, we are witnessing a steady decline in the faith in some denominations. But I'm here to preach today that let that not be said of the apostolic church. Amen. Let that not be said of Atlanta West Pentecostal Church. Let that not be said for me and for my house. But I will say that we, in the face of opposition, in the face of persecution, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. I know adversity can have powerful effects on the church. Even being forewarned by prophecy and Jesus himself, it affected the disciples and they felt discouraged and they felt hopeless. On the surface and in the flesh, you can conclude that the church is outmanned. The church is outgunned and outresourced. There's a lot against the church today. But I'm here to remind you what Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Amen? I'll say it again as I did this morning. The gates of hell and all opposition shall not prevail against the church. Amen? Amen? 
This opposition is nothing new. I'm here to tell you today that God is not surprised. Isaiah 46.10, God reminds us, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient time things that are not yet done. The New Living Translation says it like this when God spoke. He said, only I can tell the future before it even happens. And he goes on to say, everything that I plan, it will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Amen. Atlanta West, just as there has always been opposition, there has also always been an opportunity for the church. And God has always had a plan. He has a purpose and he has a mission for his church. And that usually includes using that opposition and using that persecution as an opportunity to bring great victory through the church. Amen. I want us to look at how this happened with the New Testament church and the opposition to their mission. 2 Corinthians 6 and 3. The Bible goes on to tell us, verse 3, we live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us and no one will find fault with our ministry. Verse 4, they say, in everything that we do, in everything that we do, we show that we are true ministers of God because we patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We've been beaten, been put in prison. We've faced angry mobs. We've been worked to exhaustion. We've endured sleepless nights. We've gone without food. Verse 6, so, but we prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, and by the Holy Spirit within us and by our sincere love. They go on to say that we faithfully preach the truth because God's power is working in us. In the face of opposition and persecution, we still faithfully preach the truth. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for the attack and the left hand for the defense. We serve God whether people will honor us. We serve God whether they're going to despise us. Whether they slander us or whether they praise us, we serve God. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We are ignored, even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we've not been killed. Our, our, our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. In the midst of persecution and opposition, they could have that kind of hope. And we can have that same hope if we take to heart and remember the words of Jesus. That, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. In case you forgot or need to be reminded today that before the world was created, 
there was God. And after the world was created, there was God. And when this world and everything within it is over, at the end of the age, there will still be God. He reminds us in Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. Amen. God has always been present for his church, and he will always be present in the life of the believer. He further solidifies that statement in Hebrews 13, 5, by saying, I'm not and never leave you, and I will never forsake you. So today, you better believe that in the middle of your circumstances, in the middle of great opposition, that same God that we sung about today is still here and with God present and on our side. That means that our mission is possible through him. Amen. John 16, 33 says, these things I have spoken to you that in me you're going to have peace, church may not feel very peaceful around us in this world right now, but you're going to find peace in him. In this world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Have peace knowing that I have the power and that I have overcome the world. Amen. Even if today you're dealing with powerful opposition like Moses. You serve the same God who sent the plagues and parted the Red Sea and told Moses, I will be with you, amen. Even if the odds are stacked against you like they were with Gideon and his 300 men in a battle against countless Midianites, you serve the same God who caused the enemy to turn and to fight one against the other. And Gideon heard the words from God, I will rescue you and I will give you victory. Amen. If you're facing some threatening giants like David, you can come in the name of the Lord today, in the name of Jesus, and those giants will be slain. If you feel like you're in a situation like Daniel in the dens of lions, you serve the same God who shut their mouths. If you feel like you're being thrown into the fire right now at your word and with your family and with your friends because of your beliefs, we serve the same God who allowed those three men not to be burned. Amen. And even if you're surrounded by opposition like Elijah with those 900 and evil prophets all around them, God can back you up. He has the power to flash down fire from heaven. Amen. It was the same for Esther. It was the same for Hezekiah. It was the same for Jesus and his disciples and for Paul. It was the same for those who faced opposition through history. And it will be the same for you. Amen. Amen. And the reason is that we serve the one true God who has the power. He has the ability to tip the scales when the mission looks impossible. He can make it possible. He reminds us that with him all things are possible. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 9. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not ourselves. Yes, we are hard pressed on every side. 
yet we're not crushed. Yes, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. Yes, we are persecuted, but we're not forsaken. Yes, there's going to be times when we are struck down, but we are not destroyed. Yes, God has given us a mission and a purpose, and yes, he is with us. But he also said he would not leave us powerless, but that we would be endued with power from on high. I'm so thankful that in Acts 1.8, he told us that we were going to receive that power to get us through when the Holy Spirit has come upon us. Amen. And what is that passion, that power for a man is for accomplishing his mission, for being his witness to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So no matter the opposition, God's will will be done. And that means it will be mission possible. Amen. Amen. Church, the Lord today is calling us in this month back to his mission. Back to our mission individually to reach a hurting a lost, and a dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is God's will that none would perish, but that all would come unto repentance, that all would be baptized in his precious name, in the name of Jesus Christ, that all would be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Amen. And I want to mention to you today, and if you have never been, as Jesus commanded us, to be born of the water and the Spirit, if you find yourself just with impossible odds and in depths of despair, God can fill you today. He can write your story over. He can apply his name and his blood on your life and baptism today. But to our church family, I pray that there be a sense of urgency, knowing that our time is short. Amen. That there would be for each of us a lifting up of our eyes to see that the fields, they are white. They are ready to harvest, amen. That we would be compelled by the Holy Ghost with a sense of personal responsibility to fulfill our mission. But I also pray today that there would be a renewal of faith. A renewal of, of confidence, knowing that God he is here and that he is with us and he is for us and that mission is possible. In Mark 16, 15 and 20, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And they went out, verse 20 says, and they preached everywhere, but the Lord was working with them. He was confirming the word to the accompanying signs. I think it's no accident that the first chapter in the book of Matthew, while talking about Jesus, gives us assurance in Matthew 1, 23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. And then our opening text today, the book of Matthew ends with Jesus himself 
giving that same assurance that will his presence will never be withdrawn. In Matthew 28, 20, as we've read, he said, Lo, I want you to know I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He didn't say, I will be with you. He said, I am with you. Amen. He is with you right now. He is with us today. He is with you when you walk out these doors today. He is with you when you go back to your school, students. He is with you when you walk onto that job. Amen. When you walk into that college campus, when you walk in the middle of that opposition, when you're in the middle of that trial and persecution, lo, I am with you always. Amen. Can we stand together and can we thank the Lord today for the hope and the help that we have in him? Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you today. I thank you today. The Irish order, his name was Edmund Burke, once stated that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. So we're faced with a decision, church, in the face of opposition. Will we back down or will we rise up? In the face of opposition, will we answer the call? Will we rise to the occasion? Romans 8 speaks of a transition from suffering, from opposition, from persecution, from suffering to glory. And in Romans 8, 31, right after those words, we're asked, what then shall we say to these things? What then, church, shall we say to these sufferings, to this opposition, for this difficult road? And I want to ask you today, Atlanta West, in the face of opposition, what shall you say to these things? What shall you say to the mission? What shall you say to the gospel of Jesus Christ? What shall you say to reaching your neighbor? What shall you say to extending that invitation? What shall you say to sharing your faith in a Bible study who somebody doesn't agree with the truth of God's word? What shall you say about reaching that friend at school or witnessing to that person at your work? What shall you say about answering that call of God God, that is on your life today, amen. What shall you say when the road gets tough? What shall you say when things get difficult? What shall you say when you get discouraged and when you're feeling down and out? What shall you say when you're feeling hard pressed? But the scripture goes on to say, if God is for us, then who can be against us? So let that be our prayer today. If God is for me, I'm going to say, I'm all in. Count me in. If God is for me, sign me up. If God is for me, I will not quit. If God is for me, I will back back down. Amen. If God is for me, the mission is possible.
At this time, I want to invite our church family. I want to open these halters as we do every Sunday to come down together for a time of prayer. And we're going to respond to the word of God. And I know there are many here today. You're facing some struggles. You're in the middle of a difficult situation. But God is here, amen. He's here to minister to one another. He's here to bring you strength and to give you victory and to give you courage and to give you help today. Amen. That's it, church. Let's lift our voices. Let's answer that call. Let's square our shoulders. Let's lift up our heads. Let's lean into the power of God that is here today. He is with us. Yes, the mission is great, but greater is He. Amen. He is with us. He is with you, young man. He is with you, young woman. He is with you, family. He is with you, single mother. He is with you, single father. He is with you today. Hey man, that's it. Thank you, Jesus. Hey man, if you will open up your heart to God, if you will be honest before Him today as we sing this song, God, I need you. God, I can't do this on my own. God, I cast my cares on you because I know you care for me. I know you are faithful. I know your word is true, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. That's it, church. Let's call on the name of the Lord. Let's be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Let's build up each other today in our most holy faith. Let's let the power of the Holy Ghost be alive in our lives in the name.